In this episode of the Church Security Roll Call, we're going to be discussing lessons learned from another church shooting. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Chris with the Sheepdog Church Security Academy, the home of the safety member certification, and this is your Church Security Roll Call. Today we're going to be discussing the article, The 2016 Creekside Church Murder. If you'd like to read that article, go to our website, sheepdogchurchsecurity.net, and look under the News tab. So let's begin in the Bible as we always do. This one is Nehemiah 4.20, and it reads like this. In what place, therefore, ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither unto us, our God shall fight for us. Good verse for us today because of two two reasons. The first one is it's talking about the trumpet being the sound and alarm that, um, you know, something's wrong. In this case, they're being attacked and they need to respond and be prepared to fight. And so I absolutely love that because in this situation here, we're going to be talking about the importance of alarm systems and how they are a warning to us to take action. The other thing that I like about that, uh, this verse, is because it talks about our God will fight for us. And I think a lot of times what happens is people think that um, serving in a safety team or being part of any sort of um, you know defense mindset is somehow um, rejecting a faith in God or you don't have enough faith in God because you want to do all this kind of stuff. But here we are, another example in the Bible where the people were both preparing to go to war, both preparing to fight, but at the same time, completely relying on God to fight for them. And so, great verse for us today. So, before we continue in in our discussion, I'd like to encourage you to take a a couple of quick actions for me. Um, The first one is, if you you can, if you're willing, please show your support um, by liking this video. And then I would also ask that you would subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on all of the church security roll calls and other safety resources that we offer. And your encouragement or your engagement with us actually helps us to reach more churches and provide them with, you know, essential safety insights just like you. So, all right, let's delve into today's topic. Um, So... This is, this is kind of a different ch- church shooting scenario than we normally deal with because in this case, this is an unsolved murder. And so it's not like your typical active shooter scenario or, or even domestic violence spillover. As far as we know, it's not like that. It seems almost, um, well, I don't want to call it random, um, but uh, not, having, not having any leads Um, as of now, kind of tells you a little bit about this. So let's get into the details of this a little bit. So um, shortly after 4 a.m. on Monday morning, April 18, 2016, an intruder broke into the Creekside Church outside of, I'm going to say this wrong, Midlothian, Texas. My best shot. Um, the um, The person moving through the church's hallways triggered a motion sensor's that activated surveillance cameras. The intruder was covered head to toe in an outfit um, made to look like a SWAT team uniform and carried a hammer and a crowbar. Um, Gender um, could not be determined due to the heavy padding. In those video shots released to the public, he or she, whoever it was, uh, appears to be involved in idle mischief and curiosity. 
Um, but now we know what the intruder was doing and they were waiting for the victim. Um, at 4.18 a.m., Terry Missy Beavers, if I'm saying that correctly, um, unlocked the main door and came in. She took equip exercise equipment from her truck into the church and down a hall to the classroom. Uh, she was a fitness instructor. Her class was usually held in the parking lot, but because of rain, they had to relocate it inside. It turns out that the intruder was waiting for Missy. The video shot shows her turning around to look at something or someone, and that was the last view of her alive. Uh, just before 5 a.m., a student coming in for the class found Missy unresponsive. She was almost dead or already dead at that time. Uh, she had suffered blunt force trauma and puncture wounds. The hammer and crowbar had been abandoned by the assailant. Uh, no DNA other than Missy's was found on them and no fingerprints. Uh, the student called 911. Police found Missy's body and the weapons. They also found the damage um, caused by the intruder. The church turned over surveillance footio footage, of course. Experts were contacted by the church um, or by police to try to identify the intruder, especially the way um, he or she walked. Um, they could not uh, narrow it down to one or even a few people. They couldn't even determine the gender of the person in the bulky outfit. A uh, scene of the videos were publicly posted and hoping that somebody would identify the killer. A reward of $150,000 was posted for information leading to an arrest. More than seven years later, no one has been successfully identified. Um, good, uh, you know, a horrible, horrible situation. And now our job is to try to figure out what could, you know, what could have she done or what could have the church done or who, what could any of one done in order to prevent this from happening. Now, my little disclaimer here, of course, is that we, we, we're not victim blaming here. We don't even want to blame the people of the church. What we want to do is we want to honor that horrible, um, the horrible sacrifice that they made, you know, this horrible trauma that occurred and try to bring something good out of it so we can protect ourselves and we can protect our congregation. So let's get into that. Um, my take, my, my personal take homes are this is an alarm system and camera system could have really made all the difference here. Um, for one, the person broke in through a back door, a side door, and it did not trigger an alarm of any sort. And even though it did trigger motion cameras that then started to record um, the person wandering through the building, um, that did not trigger an alarm anywhere. Um, obviously, at that time of the day, nobody, you know, 4 o'clock in the morning, nobody's monitoring those cameras. And so, basically, we had cameras for the sake of collecting some evidence, but nothing beyond that. So, it's, a, it's extremely important that we have working alarms and we have working cameras. And I want to talk about not only having those two things in place, but also what are the protocol that goes around having those things. So let's start with the alarm system. Is this, depending on your jurisdiction, the police uh, rules might be that you actually get charged a fee for false alarms. And so, you know, we have to have a plan for those kind of jurisdictions and we need to have plans for where the police don't have, um, where there is no fines for that. So the first one is let's go with there are no fines. 
if you have an alarm system and the alarm system is triggered and it doesn't matter, um, you're not going to get a fee or a fine for having a false alarm, let the police check out the building. Let them go there, pull on doors. You know, they're going to walk around the perimeter of it. They're going to pull on doors. They're going to look for signs of forced entry and all that kind of good stuff. Meanwhile, you, assuming you're the main point of contact or the building facilitator, whoever gets notified when the alarm goes off, what they're going to want to do is they're going to want to immediately jump onto their computer or their tablet or their phone. Hopefully they have access to those cameras and they can start looking at those cameras for um, any activity before the police arrive. And of course, if you do see a vehicle that drives in and parks around the backside or you see somebody breaking in or walking through the hallway and stuff like that, you're going to immediately not, you know, call 911, say, hey, you need to let the officers know that, you know, this activity, we observed this activity in cameras. Um, and But then on the same time, now let's go with, you do have a fee. A lot of us have to pay a fee if we have false alarms or we get so many frees a year and then after that they start sending us a bill. In those cases, once again, it's good that we're monitored, we have an alarm and we have cameras and now what we're doing is we're getting that alarm and we're immediately going to the cameras, right? Because if we observe through their cameras that there's no, um, no activity, you know, we can call off the police and not get charged that fee. Um, but then if we do, of course, see any sort of activity, then we can let law enforcement know, yep, keep going. Somebody broke in through the back door and they're in the hallway right now and digging around in the office, you know, that kind of stuff. And so those two things, if those two things would have been in place at the church, alarm system and cameras, then they would have been able to possibly save her life. You know, one of the things I think about is this, is when... You show up to the church, that is is not necessarily, you know, why do we believe that entering through the church, church's doors mean we're entering into a safe area? We don't really know that until we've confirmed that. So, you know, if we have an alarm system and the alarm is still set and there wasn't a trigger of the alarm system, then we can believe to a certain degree that we're entering into a safe area. Um, but on the other hand, if the alarm has gone off, now we're investigating further. We're checking cameras. We're going on site if we need to go on site. We're having police respond if we need to have police respond to verify that the church is a safe place. And that way, when somebody shows up in the morning, like this fitness instructor, you know, they're entering into a safe area. You know, I think about another um, shooting that occurred at a church, and a lot of you probably remember this one where a pastor and uh, his wife showed up to the church. Somebody had broken in, and um, the pastor pulled a gun on the, on the guy, bad guy. The bad guy was able to get the gun away from the pastor, killed the pastor, and almost killed his, um, his wife. And so, really, we have to change the way we think when we think about um, our churches, our facilities. They're not safe until we're sure they're safe. As far as the safety team, you know, one of the things that we've talked about in the past is every Sunday, safety team members, at least two safety team members, should be some of the first people at the church. We should be there to open the church, unlock the church, and then when we get in there and we turn off the alarm, we're then doing a cursory search to make sure that there isn't a bad guy hiding in a basement or a closet. 
And that goes the same for closing, right? Somebody's got to set the alarm. Now, a lot of churches are extremely busy, but when it's at all possible, we need to have safety team members that are locking down the church. And before we do that, what do we do? We're doing a search to make sure that nobody's hiding in a closet or a back room and all that kind of stuff. Some of that's just a good alarm policy, right? Because if you turn on the alarm and somebody's in, in a room you didn't know about and they leave, they're going to trigger the alarm. But we're also making sure that a bad guy's not waiting for their opportunity to do something bad. As we wrap up today's uh, church security roll call, I want to thank you for joining us. Your participation and feedback are invaluable to our community. Reflecting on today's discussion, what measures do you think would be most effective for enhancing security and prevention in such situations? Share your thoughts and comments, experiences down in the comment section. We're always eager to hear from you. Uh, don't forget to check out the free download in the description. It's a resource that's kind of put together to help you with your team. Also, there's other helpful links down there that you should check out. Uh, remember, staying informed is a crucial part of being part of the safety of our congregation. So thank you for being here, continuing to learn with us. And hey, let's be careful out there. This program is made for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice.